Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to learning, sharing, and teaching the game. I'm Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, and today we have the founder of United Basketball Clinics, Coach Matt Smith. Coach runs basketball coaching clinics around the country. They're some of the best I've ever seen. I was fortunate enough to speak at one of his clinics a few years ago, and I've been following him ever since. He also is the varsity basketball coach at Gordon Lee High School in Georgia. And today we break down the things that he's picked up over the years from running these clinics, as well as some of his own coaching philosophies as a varsity basketball coach. Let's dig in. Smith, welcome to the podcast, founder of United Basketball Clinics, varsity coach at Gordon Lee High School. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. I'm excited about this podcast. I'm excited about having you on. Haven't known you for a couple years now since I was fortunate enough to speak at uh, one of your clinics at the the historic Hoosier Gym, which which was really awesome. Following kind of your progress uh, from a business standpoint with your clinic, seeing it continue to grow, the locations, the, the coaches that you have in, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, we've been very blessed to have some of the best venues in the country, and I think the number one venue is the Hoosier Gym. Because I know there's larger gyms out there, but you don't want to have a clinic at a really large gym that seats one or 2,000. You just don't. So that gym that holds just a few hundred, plus the historic pictures and posters of uh, the movie Hoosiers, the original floor, the bleachers, the, the great small town that's in, in Indiana, I can't think of a better spot to have a clinic. And that's not the only clinic we do, but it's by far the most popular, mainly for the location. And Indiana is a hotbed for basketball as well. Yeah, if, you, if you're looking at the calendar when to go to one of, one of Coach's clinics, yeah, see if you can make your way to Knightstown, Indiana. Super small town, right? Uh, but that's where a large part of the movie Hoosiers was filmed. And when you go into that gym, it's, they've kept it just like the movie. Uh, it's awesome. Um, so so with, with that in mind, Coach, you run coaching clinics around the country. Uh, they're, they're phenomenal. As we mentioned, the coaches that you have in are awesome. What gave you the idea to, to start United Basketball Clinic? You know, it's kind of funny. The first clinic was in 2014, and I was at a little school in Chattanooga, Hickson High School. I was their head girls coach. And I was just thinking about a way to raise money, honestly. So for the first three years I did the clinics, I gave every penny away to a program. I didn't keep a penny. No joke. If anything, I paid out of my own pocket to run these clinics. So uh, I did it as kind of a, a heart for other programs or the program I was coaching that was a, a, a poor school and we didn't have a lot of money. And so we had to, had to make money. And so I did Chattanooga 2014, 15, uh, 16, continued it there for a few years and had some great speakers. Now we're in a great spot here in Chattanooga. You know, we're 90 miles from Knoxville, Atlanta and Nashville and Will Wade was at UTC then, and Jim Foster, and if you look up Jim Foster, uh, women's coach, his coaching tree is phenomenal. So he was at UTC, and Will Wade was at UTC. And people say, well, how do you get these guys? What do you do? All I do is email them or ask them. I don't, I mean, I had their numbers now, but I didn't have Will Wade's cell number then. Um, and so I just reached out to the director of basketball operations or someone I knew at the university, I'm a UTC grad. 
And, you know, Will Wade came in, Jim Foster came in, had some other great coaches. Rick Torbett came to that first clinic and did Read and React. Uh, we had some coaches from Lee University. So it was about five speakers, and, um, and it was great. I always get a team on the floor, provide lunch, usually Chick-fil-A. And, and I make the clinics affordable. Part of our mission statement is an affordable one-day clinic, although some do go two days, but affordable one-day clinic where you can bring your whole staff. You're going to be home by 5 or 6 o'clock, and you hear really good speakers. You, you make some connections with some, with some coaching friends. That's what I love about it. There's always someone I see in the crowd that I used to coach against who's an old friend we haven't connected, and, and I'm a relational guy. Like I've got the championship production DVDs. I do a lot of stuff online, but I want to be – I'd rather meet a guy at Chili's and talk basketball for three hours than watch a DVD, honestly, and just write it on a whiteboard or a sheet of paper. That's how I am. Yeah. And so the clinics just, I did a second year and a third year. They became pretty successful uh, in the Chattanooga area. And then people just started reaching out to me about having it in another area. And it never really crossed my mind. Uh, this was never a thought for me to uh, have a small business. I'm an economics teacher. I'm a head boys basketball coach. And, you know, some years I'm coaching tennis or golf or something else. So, you know, we stay busy. And so I had some connections around the country and we went to Minnesota. We've been in South Carolina. We've been in Atlanta. We've been in Indiana and, you know, we try to do three or four a year and they just became pretty successful. Um, mainly to the speakers that come in and I've got a great relationship with the guys at Dr. Dish. They've been great supporters of the clinics. They always come in and sponsor us and they do a segment as well. Cause they, they do some great things for the game. And then you know, from there, next thing I know, I feel like if I, if I wanted to, I could probably do eight or nine in a, in a, in a year, but there's only me and my, my good friend, Chip Clark, that helps me. So fee, that's not really feasible, but I feel like they, they could grow. But I think for us, three or four right now is probably where we need to be. Plus, I don't want to be gone that many weekends for my family and things like that. Full-time job, family man, coaching at least one varsity sport. Uh, that, that's a lot on your plate. Um, I, lo I love that you mentioned, you know, you gave the money back in the beginning. You might have lost money running the clinics. And yeah. the, a common denominator with any, any coach that I know, whether you're, you're in player development like me, uh, a high school basketball coach, a college coach, you didn't get into coaching for the money, right? You got into it because you love basketball, you love kids, you love working with them. And if, if the money comes down the road, great. If not, you're still doing what you love. I mean, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, you have to be passionate about what you do. So, again, if you're not passionate about running a clinic or being a player development coach or doing anything like that, it's not going to be successful. You'll get burnt out. You won't be happy because it's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. It's late nights. It's a lot of planning. You know, things fall through at the last minute. You've got to be able to work on your feet and, and adapt. So, yeah, I mean, I, again – my 100% goal was to raise money for my girls basketball team. And that, that was it. Um, and now, you know, that's not the goal of it. Um, you know, we do give money to programs to help people out at times, but now it's a small business. And, you know, um, I think that it has become a fairly successful one. And again, if it wasn't for the speakers though, like, so again, I, play a big role in it but I mean I, I'm looking at the list of speakers we, we've had and we've got Mike Neighbors, Vance Wahlberg, Will Wade, 
Steve Forbes, Greg Campy, Ed Schilling. I mean, there's, there's 50 names in front of me right now. And if it wasn't for them, um, we couldn't do the clinics. And the, and the other thing is having a coach that will bring his team in and be on the floor because I've been to many, many clinics in a hotel where I'm sitting in a conference room and a guy's just on a whiteboard or a projector showing clips. And that's great. I, I will continue to attend those clinics, but I want to see a guy implemented on the floor from scratch because they don't know these kids. And to me, I'm a visual learner that really helps me learn the game um, and transfer that to my own team. I love that. Now with, with this business and the, and the clinics that you, that you've been running, when I was on your podcast, you asked me about the use of social media and I said, you know, I, I use it. It's definitely useful, but the main part of what makes my business work is still like word of mouth and relationships. Do you feel like with your clinics, social media has made it easier to, to, to spread the word and to get some of these big name coaches into your program? Yeah, absolutely, because we do a survey um, whenever you register for the clinic. How did you find out about the clinic? And Twitter is the number one reason. Right below that are emails, and then below that might be mail-outs. I don't do the mail-outs anymore. Um, but so, yeah, social media has been huge for us. Um, I have my own social media, and then we have a United Basketball Clinic social media. And really, on mine, I do a lot of personal stuff clips just conversations but i do a ton about the clinics united basketball clinics is mainly just about the clinics corresponding with coaches but that's one way i connect to these guys um because i can email your director of basketball operations your administrative assistant but if i can just dm you personally that's been a great way for me to connect uh with these coaches and usually they'll shoot me their cell number we'll text or talk in a few days and then we'll figure it out but i mean the list of guys who have helped me or say, Hey, you're coming to my town. Um, I'll help you get some speakers. Like to me, Mike neighbors, again, people ask me who I'm a fan of as a college, you know, college teams I'm a fan of there's some I'm loyal to, but I don't really cheer for jerseys anymore. I cheer for people. And so I, I'm a Mike neighbors fan. I don't care if he goes to Arkansas or Georgia tech or wherever I'm going to cheer for him. He is such a, a good man and really helped me a lot at the Hoosier Gym Clinic and has connected with me. And we text, you know, every once in a while. And he'll say, hey, have you had this guy? Have you contacted them? I'm like, no, I don't really know them. Like, hey, I'll reach out to him for you. So it, things like that that give me some legitimacy in the business if, if those guys vouch and say that they had a great experience. And, again, if you come to the Hoosier Gym Clinic, just when you walk in the gym, your experience is awesome from the beginning. Just when you walk in, you hear the Hoosier theme song in the background, you meet the great people of the town. And, and that has led the way for me to have clinics in other towns, such as Greenville and Atlanta, uh, Minnesota, and, and so on. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's kind of a snowball effect as you build those connections. It's grown as I continue following you on social media as well. From the coaching side of things, what are some of the biggest things that you've learned from running these clinics over the years, how have you been able to apply them to your team? Because I think that's the really cool thing about being able to talk to you is you're a clinician, you have this, this business that you're running, but you also have this varsity basketball team that you're trying to develop, work with throughout the year and win games with. Absolutely. Yeah, I think when I uh, run a clinic, now a lot of the times I'm busy 
straightening up, setting up lunch, doing things. But I, I try to really pay attention to most of the sessions when I can. I really focus on terminology these days because more than likely I'm set in my offense. I'm set in my defense, what we're going to do, my philosophy. But I, I'm big on terminology and making the game uh, easier to communicate with the kids, little buzzwords that pe people can remember. Um, I, Greg Campy was uh, great about that. Vance Wahlberg was great about that. So that's what I look for. And I'm always looking for a great rebounding drill, a hustle drill, a tidbit on culture. Many of the clinics will have a, a session where a guy, a leadership culture guy comes in and speak. So that's what I do. Cause I think what happens is um, when I was 23 or 24 years old, go into clinics, you walk out, you feel overwhelmed with information. You've got, I've got to implement this stuff in my program. And unfortunately when you get overwhelmed and you just try to implement it because it was good at a clinic, it's not going to work well for your program. So if I can leave every clinic with just three points, a terminology, an inbounds play, a cultural activity to do with my team, something like that, I feel like it's been a successful clinic. Now, I'm blessed to do several of these a year. So if I'm at four clinics, I'm going to pick up quite a bit of information. And then I'll usually try to stay connected with the coaches. And if I have a question about, you know, dribble drive, I, I can just call Vance Wahlberg and ask him. So selfishly I, I do use those relationships for my own benefit Absolutely. um which you know i, I think is, is is expected um but yeah and so when i come back to my team you know i just want to if anything that can make me a little more efficient at practice that's another one a good uh, drill or a small-sided game and again i know a small-sided game is the big term now I was doing them before I knew what they were. I just called them breakdown drills. <laughs> That's a, I said the same thing. I was talking to a, a high school coach last week, and he was small-sided games, small-sided games. He's like, man, I feel like I've been doing these with the coaches I've been around for a long time, and then playing basketball overseas, I yeah. feel like they were ahead of the game as far as even what we did in the U.S. With, I played for some good coaches in the U.S., but – like we were always doing small sided games. So yeah. I just think it's kind of funny, but not to say they're not good drills, but right. it seems like they've been around for a while. Yeah. I've never used the word small sided game in one of my practices. You'll never find that phrase in my practice plans. I call it a breakdown drill or just a drill. Right. You know? Right. Um, but anyway, it's just kind of funny how certain buzzwords uh, can take over the basketball culture, but it's good if we're all using the same terminology as well. Well, I like, I like that you mentioned, the terminology, because that's something as a person who has to work with a lot of athletes and coaches myself, I'm always trying to figure out, you know, depending on the age level or the coach or the experience. And sometimes, unfortunately, you got to change the terminology because these are all different people. And so what type of terms work for that age and experience level? You're not going to talk to a varsity player the same way that you talk to a fifth grader, right? You right. got to break down things differently and in different details always something I'm trying to get better at. I know I, I struggle at it, but always trying to improve. The other thing I really liked that you mentioned was you spoke about um, being able to have a few almost kind of simple takeaways. And I can't say how many coaches that I've talked to who have gone to, you know, the, the BCAM coaches clinic and they'll come back and they'll talk to me, Steve, I learned this from Tom Izzo and I learned this from Tom or from John Beeline and we're going to implement this with our team next year. And I'm saying, pump the brakes. You don't have any of the personnel or any of the experience right. to put this in. And you went to the coach's clinic a month before the season starts. Your, your kids are going to be really, really lost. And I, can you just 
go a little bit deeper into how you decide, because you're getting great coaches coming in and all of the stuff that they're giving you is good. But how do you go about deciding and saying, this is great, this is great, this is great, but this one thing over here that maybe nobody else noticed, that's what's going to fit my team best. Right. Well, to me, I'm realistic about the talent level I have. I'm realistic about my team. So, yeah, you're right. If someone comes in and they teach a certain type of defense, but also research that they don't have a kid on their team that's under 6'5", and I'm starting a 5'8 point guard, a 6'1 shooting guard, my post player is 6'3", <laughs> you know. So I think we've just got to be realistic that when we have high-level college coaches or pro pros come in, pro coaches, that they are handpicking their players. And at a high school, at a small school like mine, many times I'm asking a kid to play basketball that hasn't even played in two or three years because he's a really good athlete. He's a hard worker. I see him at football games. He's just, you know, we'll we'll just do whatever it takes. So I think that we have to be realistic with your, your team. And also you've got to know your coaching style. So I think a lot of guys come in like, this was great. I had Rick Bird and Kermit Davis come in. They had back-to-back sessions. Kermit Davis was at MTSU and Rick Bird was at Belmont. And you talk about two completely opposing personalities. Are they both super successful? Absolutely. Rick Bird retired and will be a Hall of Famer around the – in any Hall of Fame that he's allowed to – you know, that in Tennessee. and then. Uh, Kermit Davis went on to be an SEC head basketball coach. So I think sometimes we see people at a clinic and like Kermit Davis is fiery. He was on that team at nine o'clock in the morning that you know, just walked off the bus and they're like, why is our coach having us do this clinic, man? It's my, one of my few Saturdays off. And then Rick Bird, just pretty even keel, doesn't raise his voice. And they're both effective. So I think sometimes we try to copy another person's style that we see as a, at a clinic, and it doesn't fit your personality or your team or your coaching staff. So I'd say be realistic about who you are as a coach and what talent level you have. And then go into the clinic, like look at the topics that are going to be – because I, 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 there's two types of guys that go to clinics. There's ones that see the name of the speaker, um, Tom Izzo, whoever, and there's others that see the topics – I'm more of a topical. So if I'm going to go to a clinic, again, they're going to get great speakers. Some of the best speakers could be the high school coach that no one's heard of or the D3 coach that no one's really heard of. So I look at the topics, and if I know what topic's being spoken about, I'm, I want to figure out, like have almost questions in mind that I want answered, whether it be matchup zone, ball handling, whatever it may be. And I think that's a, that's a way to, to look at it. Um, and then from there, just – don't allow yourself to be overwhelmed with information. Um, I think it's best to attend a clinic with a member of your coaching staff. So you can sit there and bounce ideas off each other and say, hey, man, elbows. Like, hey, I think that looks really good. That might work for us. And the guy's like, mm, I don't know. And then you – because I, I think when if you come back from a clinic and you're all fired up, you try to communicate it to your staff, you can do it. Absolutely. But I think it helps if you do those things together. And that's why we give, you know, same staff – staff discounts and things like that because I want I want you to be sitting there with the guys you know I say I think bring your middle school coach bring your ninth grade coach, like bring as many as you can so you can all talk about it for the 
days after the clinic. And if you, let's say you all write down four or five points, then you get all your stuff together and then weed out what's going to be best for the program. That's how I would attack it. If I was just a coach attending a clinic. I love that. And understanding, as you mentioned, you know, what's right for, for you, what fits your style, what fits your team style, just because uh, Roy Williams from North Carolina and it works for him. Well, it's because he's got three McDonald's all Americans on his team might not fit your high school team that has uh, a starting center who's six, three. That's, that's, Absolutely. that's, that's great yeah. stuff. <laughs> what coach you've been coaching for approximately 20 years, right? What? yeah, I feel like the game's changed and I haven't been coaching for, for that long. How have you noticed the game change over those 20 or so years of coaching high school basketball? I think when I first got started, uh, my first head job was 2001. My first, before that, I'd been an assistant coach. But my first head job was right walking – when I walked out of college, I got a head job. And um, I don't know what those people were thinking. But, um, you know, I think that back then you never heard the terms trainer – player development, you, you never heard those things. And so like all the pressure of the program was on the head coach. And this is, and I, and I think back now, it's fun to think back and, and reminisce about where, where people started their career, but I did not have an assistant coach for four of the first five years I coached. And when I did have an assistant coach, he was a pastor who could just come sit on the bench. So for the first five years of being a head coach of a boys program, I never had another adult in the gym with me at practice. Well, I was, that was from age 21 to 26. And, and then obviously I've taken other jobs since then I had other coaches, but I'm thinking, man, um, you have to be really efficient. And maybe I ran some really bad practices, uh, but no kid was going and working out with anyone else. And no kid was doing anything else. So as the game progressed, and again, I was, you know, in Metro Atlanta. So obviously smaller communities um, have, less accessible in Metro Atlanta. Now you've got tons of AAU. And I remember when I first had kids play AAU basketball, which was great. And, and I think the game kind of goes in, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like there's certain trends that take over the game. I remember certain years it felt like, man, everyone's doing the one, three, one, everyone's doing dribble drive. Everyone's doing this. I think they're, and the reason they catch on because they're successful, but I think sometimes people try to do things just because it's what's popular like I said, I'm the only team that doesn't run dribble drive. Um, maybe we could do it, be successful, but we slow the ball down. Like we will pass the air out of it. You know, we only average, oh man, what was it one year? Like I think we averaged 52 shots a game, maybe, maybe less than that. And a lot of play, people want to play at a faster pace. So I realized that our league for us to be successful, we've got to play a different style. We can't run with everybody. And since everyone's doing it, we're something else you have to, have to prepare for. Um, so I think the game kind of is, there's more people coaching the kid now than it was 15, 20 years ago, trainer, player development, AAU coach and all that, which is good. You want kids being active and playing as much basketball as they can throughout the year. Um, so those are some of the changes I've seen. And obviously the technology and social media has made things good and bad, uh, for players and athletes and coaches. And I think that's one thing coaches have to really talk about their, with their team is, you know, be wise on social media. Like I tell my kids and I tell our parents, you know, your child can make a decision now on social media, just being immature at 16 and 17, like I was. 
and someone screenshots it and that can make them unemployable for the next five years. So, you know, I try to communicate with kids like these decisions, fair or not, it doesn't matter if it's fair or it's not fair. It's life. You've got to make every decision like someone is videoing you and taking audio of what you're saying, which is a tough way to live. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to have been that way. I'm glad I grew up when I did, but now we have a higher calling to educate our student athletes how to be wise in 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 social media and how to handle themselves with um integrity yeah absolutely and everything i've seen for, from you and following you online has been with integrity so i mean that's that's always appreciated sharing the game in in that kind of way uh, well, really here, here's a funny story oh, can i tell a quick story this yeah, is good. i've got Got a good friend. He's a Division One uh, coach, and and this was years ago. But I just gotten on Twitter, and I was just trying to be funny or something. And he called me and said, "Hey, man, um, you need to take that down." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Look, he's like, it's not bad. I know your personality. I know you're sarcastic." He's like, "You need to delete that." And he said, "Every single time we recruit a kid, all the coaches sit in a room. We pull up a social me- media on the big screen, and we decide right now." from a character perspective, is he someone we want a part of our program? So in the social media aspect, even I had someone raise my attention. Like if people don't know you, you're just a billboard for what you want people to think about you. Uh, so be intelligent with it. Yeah. that's a great message to all our other high school coaches listening that especially have players that want to continue to play at the college level. All the college coaches, everyone yeah. are taking a peek, peek at that stuff. And that could be the difference between you, you, realizing that dream of playing college basketball uh, or not. That's great stuff. Coach, uh, during COVID-19, you know, what are some of the things that you've been doing to keep in touch with you know, your players, your coaches, the school, the community? Uh, as we're re- recording this right now, it's been nearly a month, at least where I am, that we've mm-hmm. been under quarantine. It has been really interesting to kind of follow online and talk to some, some coaches what are you doing to continue those relationships? Well, I'm attacking things. I think a little different than some coaches. Um, I, I'm sending my kids some workouts. I'll send them some goals for the week to, to attack things. But I'll be honest. I've got some kids who don't have a goal. Some kids who have a rock driveway. So I'm being realistic. Um, with, with my athletes. I'm not checking on, Hey, did you get 500 shots up today? Did you do this? I'm sending things I think would be wise mainly I just want him to stay active. Like, I think this is a great time for a kid to be out in the driveway playing horse with his dad, mm-hmm. shooting free throws and his mom rebounding. I mean, those are, those may be bigger right now than having a great workout. Now I've got some kids who love the game, really passionate, who are texting me all the time and I'm sending them things they could do without another player um, in their garage ball handling and things like that. But, you know, we just had, um, you know, some really bad tornadoes just come in on Sunday night and the community I coach, I think 60% of the people lost power for a few days. So I'm just checking on, Hey, are you okay? You need anything? How's your schoolwork going? Mainly my focus is, are you doing your distance learning with your teacher correctly? Are you turning your work in all, on time? Are you eating right? Are you running? Are you staying active? Body weight exercises. And my challenge is do 10 minutes of ball handling five times a week. You know, I think uh, I had work on your Thaydenar finishing stuff. Do your, do do finishing for five minutes. Make 50 free throws. Make 35 elbow jumpers. Make 53s, you know, with a little brother or sister rebounding for you. So, again, a lot of coaches are attacking it differently. But we also 
are a school that's small and a lot of my kids play other sports. So, you know, we are the uh, two-time defending state champions in baseball. Well, half my kids are on that team. And now baseball season's just canceled. So I've got to be realistic. Some are heartbroken from track being canceled, golf, tennis, baseball. And if I just jump in the moment that gets canceled, but, hey, let's go basketball, 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 that just shows that I don't really care about the kid. So um, do I want my kids working out? Absolutely. Um, am I giving them the tools to? Sure. But not every one of my students and players has access to a goal or, or things. Because, again, every outdoor court has yellow tape around it. Like yeah. you couldn't even go shoot on a goal by yourself right now. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I'm attacking it. But I think I want kids out there playing with their brother and sister, their mom or dad. I mean, that, that's going to be what's important. And we'll, we'll get together. We're all in the same playing field right now. We'll see in the fall or the winter which coaches – we'll have to streamline what they're doing at practice and change things up to make up for this lost time. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how programs and coaches move forward uh, through this. Maybe, coach, you, you've got a wealth of experience as you've been coaching over the years. If you had to give advice to a younger coach or to your younger self, as far as getting into coaching, or it could even be in starting your United basketball clinics, what would some of that advice be? Well, talking to a younger coach or going back to talk to myself uh, in 2000 or 2001, I would say it's okay not to know everything. It's okay. It's okay to not be able to answer a question. It's okay that maybe someone throws at some, something at you in a game that you're not quite prepared for early on. Like you just can't know it all. And we put so much pressure on ourselves to know everything. And mainly I think it may be a pride issue. Um, and we want to win games, but man, I tell you what, part of, this is funny though, back then when there was no social media and no, you had to really like get a VHS tape or meet coaches to exchange film. Sometimes I feel like it was easier then because you weren't so overwhelmed with knowledge. Like we did three things. I didn't even know what pack line defense was. I had a defense, but I realized years later it was really essentially pack line. We ran <laughs> yeah. some other things. I called it 90. It was based off uh, the baseline, sideline, 90-degree angle coming up. We made like a triangle. but And now you're so overwhelmed with information. I mean, every time you look on Twitter, there's a new uh, quick hitter after timeout. There's all this stuff going on, and you feel like you've got to take all this on. But the problem is if you do that, I think your practices are just going to be a jumble of things, and kids are not going to know who they are as a team. And that's the one thing. Kids have to be confident. Who are we? Are we a – we are half court lockdown. Are we going to get out and run? Are we going to shot selection? All these types of things. And I think it's so uh, difficult sometimes for coaches um, to just realize this is a process. Like I said, I've been doing this since 2000, 2001. And there's sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I don't know anything. You know, I, I know it's not realistic, but you just like the game is evolving and you've got to grow. And it, it's a process. Surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with good, loyal assistant coaches. And there's going to be some really rough nights, some really long seasons. And, um, you know, you may be at a school that has a smaller enrollment than me, where one graduating class kind of wipe out your talent for a little while. Just, just power through it. Surround yourself with good people that kind of keep you, uh, you focused on what your overall goal is. And you've got to know why you're doing it as well. You know, um, 
I coach, I love kids. I love teaching. I love the game. I love being competitive, but I love running into that senior when he's 23 years old and he gives me a big hug in the grocery store and like, man, that was awesome. We had such a good time. You know, that type of stuff. It's about the relationships. And again, if you're doing it for the wins and losses and that chasing that, you know, state championship, which I've never won, um, then what is it empty? Or if you win that championship, now what? There's got to be something greater than just, you know, hanging banners on the wall. Not to say that that isn't important and those aren't long lasting memories. And on the clinic side of it, you know, I would just say find out if there's anything you want to do outside of being a head coach. If you're perfectly fine just being a head coach, being a team, I don't want to say just being a head coach. It's a really important job. It's a really important role. Uh, being a head coach, being a teacher, being a, a father, whatever it may be, a mother, be fine with that. But if you've got something kind of itching in you that wants to do something a little different, don't be, don't be scared to fail. Like I say, and I have no problem saying this, there's been clinics that I've lost money on. Well, why did that happen? Well, 75 people registered and 63 showed up. I did this. I, there's various things. So like you, you have to go into something knowing that you may fail at times. It may not be exactly what you want and that's okay. But whether it's starting a podcast, running a camp, doing clinics, whatever it may be, find out what your niche is and what your skill set is and do it passionately. And I think if you do that, you know, you'll find joy in the end and you'll, you'll find um, that it is that you're serving others in the long run. No, that's some great, uh, some gold nuggets in there and talk about, you know, combining being humble, understanding your why uh, of what you're doing. And as you mentioned in a lot of those things, being willing to do a lot of the, the dirty work in order to, and have the discipline. So you get a result that hopefully you're working towards uh, later on whether that's basketball oriented or as you mentioned, meeting one of your former players, you know, 20 years from down, down the road. And they say, Look, here, here's my, here's my son and my daughter. And thank you for the positive impact that, that yeah. you made uh, with our kids. Um, coach, I want to, I want to commend you. I want to recognize you. Obviously um, we're, we're excited and I will do my very best to get the word out for for your clinics because they're phenomenal. I've been to a lot of clinics, whether it's digitally or in person, and yours are as good as, as any of them. Um, but I also want to recognize you for um, being able to, to grow in the way that you have in a positive way. I think there's a, there's a lot of different ways that people go about their business, but for the most part, there there's one way that would be would be doing it right, right, and, and, and not complaining not putting somebody else down in order to, to build yourself up, but you're connecting people, you're sharing and growing the game in a positive way. I want to wish you the, the best of luck moving forward. Continue doing what you're doing. Um, I know with, with the foundation that you have, you're going to be successful and continue to be successful in everything that you're doing. I appreciate the kind words. It means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. Your feedback is appreciated. And if you could share this with one other coach who you think may find it beneficial, and obviously a rating and a review would go a really long way. Thanks again. And get after today.